0: A cold winter edition of Talk About That. I'm John. Um, Oh, and I'm John. We blew it. Yeah, we're good at this. Episode 86. We've done this a few times.
1: Yeah. I asked you if you wanted to do it again,
0: and you were like, well, no, I just wanted
1: to ruin the intro that you were going to do, evidently. Uh, Yeah, you did. And it's not that cold, by the way.
0: It's freezing. You know, people that
1: live in real cold weather cities think that we're the worst. Well, because it's in like the 20s or something or the 30s. The,
0: the, uh, what do you, it's not a heat index whenever it's the, cold. The windshield is a, a factor. windshield
1: factor. Or the windshield factor, as right, I used to think it so was. Let me say
0: it was seven degrees yesterday. What did you say
1: in the restaurant that I was like...
0: It was literally a cutthroat industry?
1: No, oh. not that. Yeah, you did say that.
0: <laughs> you're like, it's literally a cutthroat Because <laughs> we are talking
1: about NCAA coaches and whether they gave <laughs> players money, and you're like, well, it's literally a cutthroat industry. And I was like,
0: no. And I, don't, and I pride myself on not being one of those literally guys.
1: But yeah, we talked about it on the someone has
0: criticized us in one of the um, in one of our comments that apparently we say literally a lot and dude. So so I've been kind of trying to be sensitive to that to not do it, but I guess I'm that guy.
1: <laughs> You're literally that dude. See, I wasn't
0: literally saying cutthroat. Yeah. Well, actually, I literally said cutthroat. Yeah. I wasn't trying to say that literally they were cutting throats, but the term. But when
1: you say something is literally a no, cutthroat no, 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 industry, listen, if
0: I said they were literally cutting throats, that would have been one thing. But cutthroat now is an expression that doesn't necessarily mean actually cutting throats.
1: But you could have just said with the same. It's just a cutthroat industry. Blah 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 blah.
0: What I was saying was, is no. But understand? I, I when stand you say by something this-
1: is literally a cutthroat industry, no, no, you no, no, mean. No. Like, but the word right. the
0: cutthroat doesn't mean cutting throats anymore. It doesn't literally mean that necessarily. It means it's a really difficult place uh, where uh, – so I was saying that by the cultural definition of the term cutthroat – Yeah that literally that's what the NCAA is because it's a place where coaches are getting fired left and right. If you don't perform Mm -mm. on the field, then you get, like, that's what I meant by that. Not literally cutthroat, but literally in the expression of cutthroat. Guys, I stand by this.
1: No, like, the guy that runs the guillotine, that's literally a (laughs) cutthroat industry. You (laughs) made a horrible mistake. It's fine. Uh,
0: I was just speaking out of the aphorisms and the expressions of the common lexicon and vernacular. That's all. You're so impressive, John. Show me them.
1: your degree again.
0: <laughs> it's right above your head, actually. It is. It's wonderful. Hey, I had a phone call this week, by the way, with somebody about a doctorate. Okay. Yeah. It's still too much money for me. So.
1: Oh, I thought you meant like one of those honorary things.
0: Well, would just... they get, who would give me an honorary
1: doctorate for what reason? I don't know. DeVry, maybe? Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is Devry still around?
1: No offense, if you went to Devry, sorry guys, <laughs> and you've immediately defaulted on your loans
0: right now somewhere, Mister Devry. Sorry, Doctor Devry.
1: Doctor Devry, is very very offensive. Doctor Devry sounds like a guy from the future. Really does. Yeah, he showed up. He's got an exciting career in electronics. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was back when they said electronics. You had an exciting you, career. in electronics One of the things today. was like TV
1: VCR repair. That was one of the degrees you could get it wow. at Devry.
0: Have you seen that thing down on Lebanon Road? That it, sorry, those of you who don't live in Nashville, but it's okay, you'll, yeah. you'll get it anyway. But down on Lebanon Road, there's that huge satellite dish, and uh-huh. it still says like television repair,
1: television repair, satellite dish repair, and it's the big one that was bigger than your house satellite yeah. dish.
0: But I can't imagine that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you even repair things anymore? Like to me, if my television breaks, I can go get a forty-two, forty-eight inch for like two hundred dollars at Walmart now. Like. Yeah, Is it, Surely it's going to cost more than that to have it repaired, seriously.
1: Speaking of which, are you guys Disney Plus yet? Not yet, but we shall be. You're going to get it, right? Yes. Every family. They said they had 10 million subscribers day one. Wow. So that's what made it go wonky. Like, I think there, was some, there were some issues.
0: I kind of feel as if that Disney Plus has kind of eclipsed Apple Plus a little bit. Like, well, if they released them in a similar... Well, they have the
1: catalog, so it's going to depend on who comes out the winner will depend on the new programming, right? Right. So original programming. Which Apple, Disney's going to be great at too.
0: But Apple has all these new things with, with this what's got that show with uh with the person? The people who with are famous? Hair? Yeah. <laughs> with Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston. Isn't that an Apple Plus show? Uh, probably. You don't yeah, know? I heard about it. The, you're like it's don't like a, you ride on planes and workplace watch workplace drama
1: or something? Uh, yeah, something morning like that. show. Morning.
0: Obviously, I have not subscribed to Apple Plus, so I don't.
1: But Disney even has a couple of original shows that they were like the Mandalorian, the Star Wars show, right? Uh, which I've not. I don't have it yet. I'll get somebody's password. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, how many people have my Netflix password. It's brutal. Yeah. We're just kicking everybody off the island because here's what happened. And if you listen to the show and you have my Netflix password, sorry, uh, <laughs> redemption draweth nigh. because You're taking it back. Yes, because my wife is on the road the other day with Tabby, and they're driving back and forth to Birmingham because Tabby's a part of the the woman who Curry uh, takes care of. Uh, and she there uh, is in a medical trial, so they have to drive to Birmingham every two weeks now. Wow. And it's this long car ride, and she's on the iPad trying to watch something, and she goes, it bumped mm, her off. Not Curry because,
0: while she's driving. But no, 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 she's in the back
1: seat. Because okay. be, be unsafe. Right. Okay. So they're trying to watch shows in the back seat, and it's bumping her off because too many devices. So she texts me, <laughs> are you on Netflix? And I go, no, it's probably one of our whatever. How many
0: people have you given this Whoever's to?
1: suckling at my Netflix teat. <laughs> <laughs> <Gosh>. <laughs> anyway, that was an image it for you. It dark very fast. It did. Anyway, if, you're, if you have my Netflix password, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm changing it, and it's not going to be password123. It's going to be all caps, password, <laughs> One, four, two, five, six. Three. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, how many people possibly... Too many, evidently, because they were all on just I having the time you... of their life on the snow day, because we had a little snow yesterday, and I guess people were home and just like living it up. Listen, I don't Meanwhile, think... my own wife had to go to Amazon Prime like an animal. <laughs>
0: you're protecting the anonymity of those who are doing you harm i think you should call them out no i I I I would never because i don't know who was on
1: there was a lot of people i think i have five or six people that i've given money.
0: okay name
1: two of them let me just say this about implicate let me just say who they are too let me just say about them they all have enough money to have it it's not like i'm like (laughs) you know robbing the rich and giving to the poor i'm giving free programming to poor people these are people who just like
0: hey Uh, what's your password Like, come on, bro. It's 12 bucks a month. Are they in a certain generation or they span the generations?
1: They span the generations. Okay. So,
0: see, sometimes, like, like for example, we do Amazon Prime for people in our family of the older generation, Uh even though they could also afford it, but it's just simpler than because, I mean, Laura may or may not be really gifted Mm -hmm. at the art of Amazon shopping. And so it makes more sense. It's just easier for someone to call her and say, hey, I want to yeah. get this for somebody. Can we, you know, and Laura goes and orders it. And, and literally, if you go in, we have their address as one of our prime right, shipping addresses. Right, me too. I have that. Yeah.
1: yeah. And sometimes it'll bump it and you'll accidentally, have you ever accidentally shipped something to someone's yeah. address? Yeah, yeah. me too.
0: Yeah, because if they're the last ones who did it or whatever, you know, but it, it really is. So I, I get it. I, I do get it. I'm just, I'm just curious. And I know that people have
1: tons of subscriptions now. There's like, oh, I can't add one more thing. And sometimes I've done it out of like, okay, let's say there's a new show on Hulu, and I'm like, you got to see this show. And then my friend Marty's like, well, I don't have Hulu. And I'm like, here's my password. You got to watch this show. Mm-hmm. Well, now he's got my Hulu forevermore. And
0: he's hooked on the show.
1: Yeah. Right. And then he sees a million other shows,
0: and now he's just got my Hulu. So Marty's one of them. <laughs> oh, that's good. I, w- I want a one name. Marty could... does
1: have my Hulu. He doesn't have my Netflix, I don't think, though. So. Wow. But they create profiles so you can see them. So when I blog on Netflix, it goes, "Who's watching?" There's like it goes across, all the way across the screen, Johnny, all the little icons. It's life, like twelve icons.
0: There's a there's a lack of online security there in your life, right? There
1: now. is that, and that's the thing. They know what I've watched too, so
0: they're like mm. judging me. They're like, "Well, somebody stayed up late." Well, we share a DVR twelve friends in a row. Yeah, we share a DVR with my mom, so we see, and some of them. Like, I had to give her a list, like, hey, these are the things, you know, because every season comes around, we're both watching The Good Doctor. So if she's already watched it, you know, don't forget to not delete it. Or then I have to, like a peasant, go in and watch it on On Demand. And Johnny, who has that kind of time to not be able to scroll through the commercials? And by the way, now, on some of the shows on Xfinity, when you go to fast forward it, on the little timeline below, Mm -hmm. it shows you in yellow where the commercials are. Ooh. Yeah, So you literally can see as you're fast-forwarding the cursor whether or not you're coming up on where the show starts back. And I'm thinking, what vendor allowed this to happen? If I was paying for yeah. you know, this commercial exposure and literally— You're, you're helping put, them yeah, avoid me. You put it up to, to help them avoid me. So it's well, interesting.
1: Well, I heard a rumor forever ago when TiVo was like—they had cornered the market. TiVo was DVRs. Right. That TiVo had made a deal— that as you scroll through the commercials, they were going to have a ticker that would go across the bottom of the screen with other ads. So mm-hmm. as you scrolled through the, you know, gain detergent ad, it would be like gain detergent would come across. Wow. <laughs> like And they, I never saw if it happened, but it's
0: you like, know, that'd be pretty brilliant. I did see when occasionally when we're on the road or we're watching something on a phone or a device, yeah. it's, it's different off of the app. They will have like these interactive commercials. Mm-hmm. It's like you're watching the commercial and then in the window it basically is, is like you know here's here's a link to the website here's all the stuff so it's right there you can answer questions but no that's
1: part of the show no it, 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 it's it's like you're watching gray's anatomy and they're like drink coke they're no it's, it's a
0: commercial in the middle of gray's anatomy that oh, happens so but that would
1: happen that's coming right that's the the ads well, in, is, i'm saying that's coming where within the show because now there's product placement but how long before it's just like Man, this Pepsi's delicious. You know what? Complete sellout. (laughs) Well,
0: yeah, they do that with the cars a lot and the devices. But you know what really bugs me is whenever, like, I'm watching an ABC show and something's happening down there in the corner of the screen that's important. And all of a sudden, like, this live... Video yeah. of Dancing with the Stars. A bunch of people come up and takes the whole bottom left hand of the screen. Dancing, new Dancing with the Stars coming up on November the twenty seventh or whatever. And it's like somebody's dancing and twirling and it's yeah. covering up something. Yeah, that, I mean, that really happens more on sports. Like it covers up the score. Down there, and right. the timing—it's like you're—we're you're, watching the last thirty seconds of the game, and all of a sudden, I, I gotta watch the, the, the new dancing. buddy comedy or whatever yeah. that's And I'm like, guys, I mean, this first world is so hard. It's uh, really tough to our, live in 2019. Our ancestors had it hard, but guys, you think they dealt with this?
1: Yeah, sure, they had smallpox, right, and typhoid. But did they have uh, ads covering up the score? No, right.
0: sure they had to deal with scurvy as they crossed the Atlantic. But you know what? This thing on People the bottom get of the scurvy. screen. Not, I don't think so.
1: It's vitamin C, right? Scurvy
0: is not vitamin C. No, I'm
1: saying you get it from Johnny, lack of vitamin C. do you know anything
0: C. about <laughs> medical things at you all? You get
1: it from lack of vitamin C, correct? Uh, that's why they got it, because they were at sea for so long. They were at sea,
0: right. not Without getting enough sea. Come on now. And so that's, by the way, why British sailors were referred to in a derogatory sense as... Scurvy dogs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you asked me in lunch if there's anything that I would say that you wouldn't know. i surely you've heard me say this before. What? So here's one. That's why they were called limeys. Limeys. Yeah. Right. So that was like a derogatory term for British. I like sailors scurvy dogs. Better. <laughs> scurvy dogs. I've heard in like a
1: Pirates of the Caribbean movie, right? Doesn't he call us somebody a scurvy dog?
0: I don't I don't know, but that's really funny. <laughs> scurvy dogs. Wow. <laughs> They call them limies because they put all the limes yeah. on the ship to help them get vitamin C so that they didn't get scurvy. And that's it for today. You guys have learned something
1: <laughs> new. For, we should be on NPR. We're so educational.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: So, I was trying to think of a story that you don't know about me, and I remembered one. Because okay. we had that conversation at lunch. I said, "Do you think there's a story? Have we heard all of each other's stories?"
0: And I said, "If we haven't,
1: I wouldn't know which one's we yeah, which time. one, yeah. yeah. But I remembered this. So when I worked at Home Depot." Mm-hmm. Uh, I went through several managers because I worked there like three or four years, and you know you would have like a manager get promoted to from assistant manager to manager, and Mm -hmm. then he would go to another store or Mm -hmm. he would get a higher up position in the company. That's why Home Depot was a really like growing. Like you could be a millionaire as an employee at Home Depot that uh, in those days because you got the stock stock. right. Stocks were splitting every day, every other day. It was crazy, and uh, I didn't make enough money to afford to buy the stock. (laughs) I made like seven dollars an hour working a register, but. My, one of my managers at the time was one of the youngest managers they ever had. He was like 31 or something. And he was like a big guy, like a muscular guy. And one day they just came and took him away. And I never knew what happened. He came and got arrested at work. And we found <laughs> out later he had been selling steroids at high schools. And they and there was a whole FBI probe on him. And he was busted for selling steroids to high school athletes. Wow. Yeah. And that's how he lost his job at Home Depot, which he probably would have gone on to make high six figures at that job. So I don't know what his deal was that he was selling drugs, but yeah. You didn't know that, did you?
0: I did not. You know, what I'm fascinated is by two things. One, that you remember the story. Yeah. But well, two, why not?
1: That's a, correct. Know, it's yeah, a traumatic thing. Your boss gets arrested while you're on your shift.
0: And I know why you remember, because we talked about steroids at lunch, right. but- What's interesting we to me is... We were talking is, about is the it,
1: dangers of steroids, not like, hey, where can I get some steroids? Right.
0: <laughs> Johnny was at, see last week's episode, Johnny was asking me if I could sell some steroids. Yeah. I was like, I don't even know
1: where to begin. You got to go back and download it if you right. want to know the whole story.
0: Yeah, there you go. But no, the deal is that uh, I'm surprised that you would be confident that mm-hmm. I didn't know that story. Like, that's a good memory. Like, yeah. how would you know out of all the thousands of hours we've talked? That- I just
1: think it's something that doesn't, st- it didn't stand out in my mind. Was like, I need to tell people that I knew, whatever. But it was from, for some reason, because I think we were talking about, like, the, the, the false narrative that we created for ourselves when pro athletes were doing steroids, and we would say to ourselves, well, this is awful, and what are they teaching? But really, we didn't care. If our team was winning, we yeah. looked the other way, m- mostly.
0: Yeah.
1: But there would be a lot of people who would be like, what about the children? And I would be like, well, is that really a thing? But then when this happened, I was like, maybe it is a thing. Maybe kids in high school really are thinking, like feeling that pressure sure they to are. use steroids. But I mean how many people in how many high school athletes do you think are really using steroids?
0: I don't I don't have those numbers. I need handy. that number, John. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I need you to give me a hot take.
0: I would I would I would guess mm-hmm. that if you had placed high 80%. all of no. your eggs in the basket. What is uh, Sadie on? <laughs>
1: Okay, I've seen her. She's just ripped.
0: She can serve really well, but there, she's jet. There are no steroids involved. Okay, well, that's yeah, good, isn't it? yeah. You know what? For Sadie, it's all about protein, though. You oh, really she do. does do protein. No, like protein food. Oh, okay. Like but she you doesn't do shakes sure, and stuff. Like one day, one day we were. Uh, it was it was bad because she the time between school and the game. Yeah. Like she needs to eat right then, even before supper. Right. If she's going to yeah. go practice or play, and like I remember Laura. Like, we had talked about it four times, but I was assistant coach, so I had a lot on my mind, Johnny. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're getting ready for this big game, middle school girls, volleyball. Volleyball. Big, big game. Right. And so, like, we've seen, we've all seen the movies. You've seen them, yeah. I the, came the,
1: in, the inspirational volleyball, girls' volleyball stories that yeah. is
0: on Disney Plus. Oh, my goodness. Four and or so five movies. I came into the gym and serve it up, one through six. That's I'm, I'm the giving whole, the big talk, you yeah. know. You know, before I said, not, that's not true. I gave no big talks that I know of. <laughs> and so, I would actually give talks in a funny way. I'd walk around while they're warming up and say all kinds of stupid things to yeah. them because that's kind of how I am, you know. And they would look at me like I had three heads, you know, because yeah. I'm this 40 year old. Guy and their middle school girls who can't acknowledge that what you're saying is funny, or maybe because they don't, they didn't understand what I was John, saying. There's a possibility. Do you think there's a possibility you're not funny? Well, they would end up laughing like two, three weeks into it because they finally figured out. Oh, okay, he's being oh, stupid. Oh, this guy's a genius. Right. Right. Is that what you? <laughs>
1: is that what you think? <laughs> They've come around.
0: Anywho, and I realized Sadie's over there and she's just like tanking it. Like she's like, I she's dragging I can physically. She needed
1: some protein, and, I, and it hit me like,
0: oh my gosh. I told Laura four times a day I would stop and get her like a Subway sandwich or something, yeah. and I didn't. And so – and I just thought to my mind, maybe she'll be okay. And then sure enough, Laura comes in for the game, and Sadie's obviously tanking, and she's like, Yeah. what's wrong with Sadie? Did you give her – I was like, I, I didn't. And she was like, but you said you would. And I was like, I know. <laughs> but you said you would, <laughs> and so she had to leave me. I lied, food. baby. I did. It wasn't a. It wasn't a lie. It wasn't. It was a forgetfulness. So, but that being said, no. There's no steroids. Here's she another, needs a subway. You know. Here's another story clean.
1: that you probably don't know. Uh, it just reminded me of it. So one time, I'm in um, Bible class at my private Christian school that I went to.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We had this kid named Jerry Rogers who was kind of a smart aleck, and he was kind of the kid who <laughs> it was kind of clear from the lunch table conversations. That he was kind of the kid who was put in the Christian school to straighten him out. Uh You knew this from Davidson, right? There's There's always the kids who are like, look, this is our last option. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. And he was a really cool kid and a funny kid, but he just had like, he said words that we'd never heard before (laughs) at the lunch table at our Christian school. But he always kind of had something funny to say back to the teachers, and he was just fearless, like a, like kind of like a, you know, whatever. It's like you'd hear about these reform school kids, and you'd be like, "He's not even scared of the teachers like we are, you know? (laughs) What's what's gotten into this guy?" So he was fascinating uh, to look to watch in that regard. But one time we were in Bible class, and the teacher said something to the effect of, "Sometimes uh, a lie isn't a lie to what you were talking about with Laura." Mm -hmm. He goes, "If I go into Hardy's." And I order a fish sandwich. I say, how much are fish sandwiches? And the cashier says, uh, they're $2. Nope, I lied. They're $1.75. Did she really lie? And then Jerry Rogers goes, yeah, because they're $1.53. <laughs> 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 I couldn't believe how quick he was. Oh, that's great. It's like, man, he taught
0: the you quickest eighth grade I've ever met. He taught you so much.
1: He did. I learned a lot from Jerry Rogers.
0: Yeah. I was thinking about how uh, snarky I was in middle school. Yeah, like, how, were you snarky?
1: Oh yeah. Like, well, it was out of fear. It was out of like. Yeah. you you're because it's the opposite of vulnerability. In essence, you're mm-hmm. you're you're pointing out everything wrong with everybody else. Yeah. You know, so they don't look at you. you yeah.
0: Know? You know, the further along I go, the more I'm a little embarrassed of the middle school and high school self. Like, well, I, I saw your class photos. Yeah. So, <laughs> go with that. <laughs> I don't know. I think I looked more normal maybe in high school than I did in co- college It's uh, at times. Yeah. Like, you know, I had... you remember when I had orange hair? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That wasn't on purpose. That was your fault.
1: You were trying to dye it blonde.
0: No. Oh, I thought you were trying to bleach it or... No. Oh. This is your fault, by the way. How did I... You and Curry I did have... this to me. No. So what had happened was... Curry dyed your hair? Yeah. I don't remember this. So, what happened was, <laughs> Laura and I were dating... And we used to do, uh, okay, y'all don't laugh. We used to do like tips and stuff. You did too.
1: Frosted. Uh, yeah. No, I just did my whole hair though. At
0: one point, but yeah, we used no, to No, I never put, had tips. I couldn't do you it. You didn't have it in the. No, because I
1: didn't go to like a real salon. I just did, or, the, I did the bottle. I was the bottle blonde.
0: Well, funny that you would say that because Laura was like, maybe Laura did it with us. We were all together at your house, I, th- I feel yeah. like, and Laura was there. Might have been. We're just going to put some highlights in. We're just oh, going to put some highlights in. Yeah. And. Y'all covered my head. But wait, Laura did it or Curry did it? I think both.
1: Oh, yeah. I think they were both there. But you are supposed to pull it through the little net so it only gets yeah. on the tips.
0: But instead, no. we just covered my head
1: with and bleach. And it had a reaction.
0: It wasn't a reaction. It just turned it, like, white. I was like, It was, like, blonde. Completely blonde.
1: Oh, I don't remember this. And then... You tried to dye it back.
0: We tried, we tried to dye it. Well, we, what we really wanted was a little bit of auburn. Yeah. So we went and got like a brown auburn type thing and put it on white hair. What yeah. were we thinking? I don't know. And it turned it stark orange. Right. So now I have an orange head. Yeah. Completely orange. But we've died it too many times to do it again. Or my hair's gonna the hair fall hair out. Heal. Yeah. So I just had to go to school, which I went to University of Tennessee. So this so you just it like just the looked, biggest... looked like. But I look like like this punk rocker, mm. which we were. You look like Opie. That's what you look like.
1: <laughs> I don't think you're like. I look like such a punk rocker with my orange hair.
0: I think I looked more extreme. It than wasn't I,
1: green hair, John. I looked
0: more extreme than I really was, like in 1999. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm mm. not sure everybody. I don't know. It was just like, well, this is what it is. And you're in college if you're ever going to do it. Now's the time. That's but, right. Uh, that was your experimental phase. But I remember Laura had her brain aneurysm right then, uh, during that time. And my hair was still Not orange. related
1: to the hair color. No. Like, she didn't look at your hair. And be
0: like, oh, my gosh, yeah. No. So I drove to Nashville, and she's in the hospital, and she's on her deathbed, and I got orange hair, and her parents are there. And I remember... I remember you
1: were stressed about that because you had to explain to them...
0: Well, they, they'd already seen it, but... I was about to meet members of her family whom I had never met
1: before. Right, who are going to be like this kid. And
0: so she and uh, Laura's mom and I went somewhere in they Nashville. They rushed you to a
1: salon. We went
0: to a salon, and we dyed my hair back brown before they came in, and she paid for it. It was very kind of her to do that. And so then I looked a little more normal. Not and anyone you never
1: was, paid her back?
0: N- no, I could never
1: begin. But you helped them move. So that's I enough. did help them move that's, this week. That's that's enough. Yeah. You help somebody move, you're set.
0: They helped me move though 2 years ago and it was way more How dramatic. many people
1: in your life would you ask to pick you up from the airport? I think that's when you know
0: there's it's probably less than 5. Yeah. Yeah, it's less than 5.
1: I think I have like
0: 3 people. Yeah. I'd ask you. I'd ask Wes. Yeah. And I'd ask somebody on the staff, just especially if it was during like working hours. It's like, hey, you know, if I'm coming home, right. I know they're around here. It's just thing. a hassle. Yeah.
1: And now the airport's a mess at Nashville
0: too. Man. Oh it's yeah, cool. it's really you cannot. But that's a big
1: thing. Who would you ask to help you move? Who would you ask to? That's a, that's how you know how in community you really are with somebody. As I
0: long think. as I can afford it, I will never again not. I've never hired movers, and yeah. that's a mistake. In fact, I have some insight. You know, they
1: have people who will pack for you, too. Yes.
0: Well, here's the thing my brother Packers. in Cookville, and that's the great Green thing. Green Bay Packers. Everything is <laughs> nice. Everything is more, uh, a little more affordable, it seems like, in Cookville. And so he has people there, and I found out what he paid who did the, the come and pack with you. Basically, yeah. you just have people that are bringing you things the whole time while you work, and instead of you making all the decisions, they're like, what do you want this to do? You just go, do this, do that. Right. And they pack it, throw it you know, away, whatever you want to do, which would be heaven. And so when I found out all the trouble we go to, yeah, never again if we have to move. Like I will But I've heard
1: disasters of like the movers lose your stuff or they break your stuff mm. uh or they hold it hostage. Yeah, but a lot of them charge you more money.
0: But a lot of my friends break my stuff anyway. That's true. At least I can Yeah, right, when they're them. helping you
1: move, they're like, Oh well that's or yeah. they ding your wall rolling it in.
0: Oh yeah. You remember when we moved to the first house? Was it Did I ding your wall? No. I think Peter Miller and Roy Stone are moving a couch or something. You're naming names. Yeah, Roy Stone, whom I love to death. I mean, but man, he gets it done. Like he just goes after yeah. it with the fierceness of a lion, you know. <laughs> and I remember them pushing. I watched this. We just painted everything, and I watched them come in the door, and mm-hmm. something got caught, and, and they were pushing on going, and just kept going right in the wall. <laughs> yeah, it just. Uh, and, I'm, and what are you going to say, like guys? That's I, what I,
1: spackles for, John. I was so grateful for, and we
0: did. I had to spackle, so yeah. yeah.
1: You had the spackle handy.
0: But I do appreciate them helping me move. It didn't cost me anything. They were good friends, you know.
1: It cost you some spackle. Spackle,
0: though. yeah, and then paint, and then I never could match the paint because it was not a wow. Yeah, forever. Peter
1: and Roy, yeah, but it wasn't their fault.
0: It was that I didn't I hire think that, movers. I think
1: both of them might have my Netflix password. <laughs> <laughs> so this is good. They'll not get even oh, in man. that way. But
0: yeah. Are you going to keep Netflix? Is the question.
1: Yeah, I think they're just different. I think I don't see it as the same at all.
0: But they're removing like The Office from Netflix.
1: Yeah, but I mean, some of the original Netflix programming is really good. Where are they taking The Office to? Because there is no NBC version. Is oh, there? somebody will buy it for a billion dollars. There will be. There'll be an NBC Plus soon, and it'll I don't be, think that they'll be able to compete. It'll basically. be Seinfeld and the and Cheers and all that, and then there'll be NBC Plus. That's what it'll be. You'll buy individual networks soon. And you won't have cable. Is the day day
0: coming where the network no longer broadcasts? It's all just—it's all just app-based programming. That's that's the question. question. I don't know. Is that where it's going to go?
1: All I watch on my TV now uh, is—pardon the interruption—on ESPN and like an old like offices and friends and stuff like that. Yeah. So I don't really watch shows. It's not like you have to watch it in the moment. There was a meme the other day about that, about like today's kids will never know. The thrill of running back from the fridge, yeah. hearing your friends say "It's on, it's on," and you diving over the couch just in time for the commercial to end—like that thrill of that is gone. It's over.
0: But I still watch. So we watch a lot of shows live, and we wait for the week. But you pause it.
1: So I'm saying, yeah, correct. I pause it. There's not it. that urgency of like, All right, I gotta go to the bathroom. And it may have
0: recorded on Monday, and I don't watch it till Wednesday.
1: Like the General Lee is midair. Waylon Jennings just gave his voiceover. You yep. don't know where they're gonna land.
0: Yep, you gotta get back.
1: You gotta go pee and get back. Get you a snack. Yep. And then, right when you get back, the general Lee lands safely. Of course, Bo and Luke—they're fine
0: every time. Yeah. And then the police car behind them goes off into the river,
1: but no one's hurt. Somehow, and you have to show the police getting out right, safely. He gets out. People yeah. Like, oh,
0: you dang, dang, and he you dang his hat. dukes.
1: Yeah. You dang dukes.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. That show. That show uh, is problematic now because of the big rebel flag on top.
0: Yeah, it is problematic. They
1: took it off TV Land, I think, yeah. because of that.
0: Yeah, that's well, interesting. Yeah. I don't know if we want to launch and do a discussion about the Rebel Flag.
1: Well, no, I just think it's interesting that it's like- I can. We run it. I know you I can, John. I know you're a history buff. But I just- yeah. We're not going to be hot take machines today. By the way, speaking of hot take machines, and this is all I want to say about this. Okay. We record these episodes usually on a Wednesday. Yeah. For the following Monday. Yeah. So sometimes something will happen in the news that, and then the episode comes out a couple of days later, and it's like we're having a hot take- on that news item and we're what I would call subtweeting, you know what subtweeting is, right? Subtweeting is when you make a vague tweet, but it's clearly about somebody right? Um, and you're just referencing a situation. That's and you. People clearly know you're throwing shade, yeah. but you're getting that little out of like, I didn't say the person's name. So that's kind of what people think is that's what we did. But honestly, the timeline is so different. So what happened last week was we record on Wednesday morning, and then, uh, or was it Tuesday? I can't remember, but it was early in the week. yeah, Middle of the week to the end of the week, a huge news story comes out about uh, a Christian artist who, uh, there's a scandalous thing that's happening right now. And I'm not really, really going to talk about it because I don't, don't want to have a take on it other than I'm praying for everyone involved and uh, I love this person and uh, I don't know. I, there's we still don't know everything yet, and I'm praying that it all resolves and that everybody's okay and I pray for everyone involved, but we referenced like accountability and uh right. being a comedian on the road uh and uh even like sexual temptation. We yeah. talked about some of that stuff, and so I didn't want somebody to think that like that was me slyly referencing right this thing that happened a few days later after we recorded because we weren't. But sometimes when it comes out two days later, are like, oh, this... Because people imagine that it happens live in the moment, and that's not really how podcasts work. No. So in case there's people who thought that, believe me, that's not what we're referencing. We're talking about our own life. I, I don't like talking about other people's stuff. We talk about ourselves here, and we, we're very vulnerable with our audience. And, you know, I try to be anyway, and less, less outward focused on, yeah. here's what other people's deal is <laughs> and what I don't like about it. Like, I got enough of my own stuff. So... All that said, in case that's what people thought, and they probably didn't, they give us the benefit of the doubt. We have good, we have good fans and good listeners. Yeah, but just in case. Well, I'm glad you cleared it up for me because I was pretty offended. You thought, yeah. maybe that I was. I don't know how you, I don't know how you did it. <laughs> <laughs> it happened to one other time, and I almost deleted yeah. that part of the episode. It happened like two months ago. Uh, we did a show, and we were talking about women in comedy, I can't remember how it came up, but do women feel a, um, I didn't want to say evolutionary, but a intrinsic drive to be funny? Like women in comedy, they get this knock on them, are women funny? And I know so many funny women that I know that that's stupid. That's a dumb argument. But I do think women culturally have over the years gotten into comedy less because there's just other cultural norms right. that they've had to face. Uh, and then I was—I mentioned something about... Uh, 10 times out of 10, when someone comes up to me after a show and says, I got a joke for you, it's always a man. Like, men feel the need, like, I'm funny too. Yeah. And i would never had a woman do that and I always think that's fascinating. But anyway, I said that stuff and and I didn't make any general, you know, huge, broad sweeping generalizations about women in comedy. I have so many funny women friends. But that same week, like two days later, there was this famous tweet that came out where Ben Shapiro and some other knucklehead guys are in a room talking about how the reason women comedians aren't funny is because humor is inherently uh, masculine. And yeah. they were going on, and it went viral with people just shooting down this tweet. And I was like, I almost texted you like, John, this episode's going to look like I'm on board with these idiots. Like, please take the. And I just, like, we ended up leaving it up and hoping that no one would draw that conclusion. Because I, I felt like I explained myself pretty well. Yeah, But it is a weird fear when you do something, you record it, and then you don't know what the news cycle is going to do. Yep. And then it might come out seven days later, and you're like, well, it looks like I just have a really strong opinion about this, even though I don't.
0: Well, because it's a soundbite culture. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing. Somebody could pick out – I think you said that at lunch. Somebody could take that and and, and literally edit it next to yeah. something else, and it looks that way, and it looks as if you support. And, and that, that happens all the time. Well, we're
1: headed for, like, true uh, craziness with this deep fake video culture, like where – you've seen these deep fakes, right, where they can take – somebody's face and put it on your face and make you say whatever they want you to say. It's crazy. And it won't be long. We really won't know. We won't know what political leader really said something treasonous or not. Yeah. Um, Although a lot of us look the other way, even when they do. But uh, that's neither here nor there. But anyway, like we won't know what's real. Like, did Vladimir Putin really say that? Or is that some guy, is that a 16-year-old with, he's really good on his laptop yeah. Like, we won't know. And it could start wars. Like, we don't know.
0: Yeah, it's pretty uh, – I mean, again, when I hate the term fake news. And, again, it's just such a – I guess that's our term of the day. It's such a hot take type term. You know, gets yeah. everybody up in arms and on one side or the other. But there is something to be said for misinformation is more than just a lie. Misinformation is not just a lie. Misinformation is a – is also misdirection.
1: Yeah, and you're deceiving on purpose sometimes right. if you're giving misinformation or you're, Could you're have been, trying to make a story where there's not a story. Right.
0: Absolutely. Because, yeah,
1: we want – and some people do that on Twitter a lot where it's not just a matter of like I'm going to lie to, get my, to make myself a name. They will start putting out – like you see it with, with deaths, like so-and-so died, and then you have to like wait 36 hours to realize, no, they didn't die. This person just wanted to be the first to the story. Yeah, and then like three days later, that person might die, but they wanted to be the first to tweet it so they could get the, crazy. the heat from it. That's insane,
0: right? Yeah, even in, in some of the sports blogs and stuff that I read, and some of that's just a writer's thing. There's when when the the title of the article is very sensational, mm-hmm. you know, and and I even will go read the comments and people are criticizing. There's certain guys, two guys in particular that sometimes I don't even read their articles. So one guy is just, this is awful. And he gets all kinds of comments about this. They're like, dude, take some writing classes. Like yeah. people say that to him all the time. And it's horrible. And he just keeps, he just mm-hmm. keeps doing it. it may, it's just a lot of mistakes and a lot of the stuff that if you're going to publish something, you know, but there's another guy and he's more well known and it's all sensationalist stuff. It's never like, here's what happened at the game. You know, here are the stats. I mean, to me, like sports writing is so different than what I do because it's very much you you can give a take and you can give, especially if you're writing on the beat for that school or for that program or whatever, like, okay, yeah, you're writing – You can write about things that inspired you from watching the culture and the program. There's an article out right now about the honesty that's been restored to Tennessee and accountability. That the coach right now, he is what he is in terms of he's a good football coach, and he comes out after the big win over Kentucky, and he says – he, he says that was a great win. We, we showed a lot of resiliency. Then he takes 750 words to criticize all the stuff they did wrong. And then he says, we as coaches have to do a better job of teaching our players. Yeah. So it was honest. It wasn't just – and when previous Tennessee coaches, if you would have had a big win like that, you would have used it to sell everything about your program yeah. you can, one coach in particular that gets criticized for that. It would have been – he said – the writer said the guy would have written like a Shakespearean sonnet about right. it. It would have been this big moment to try mm-hmm. to capitalize for recruiting and other things. Yeah. But that's building a house of cards that eventually will, will fall. Like you have to be honest about where the program is, and you have to take accountability if you're going to lead it well, if you'll be able to follow you. So that's yeah. a good – so it wasn't like he just told us to score of the game. But when somebody comes out and they basically just – you know. Well, I wonder if the AD is trying to take the coach's job. There's all these. I don't even of things. know how people
1: fall for that anymore. They, I don't see them as much anymore. The ones that say like the top ten things wrong with Tennessee, you won't believe number seven. Oh, yeah. You know they try to get a click so you can at least get to seven or whatever. Yeah.
0: Man, I wonder what number seven is. Yeah. And you can't get it all, by the way, on the same page. You but have it's to been keep going clicking. on.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. been going. Yeah, everyone has an ad, and you have to click yeah. next on, on seven so they've times. They
0: sold seven pages worth of ads to get you there. Yeah. yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Well, it happens
1: when we were kids, too. Don't you remember the whole, like, something in your house may be killing you? <laughs> More at 10 o'clock. Right. You know? Yeah. You're like, what? What is it? <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's crazy, right? And then they come back. It's under your sink. More at 10. You know, they give you hints. <laughs>
0: Turns out there was a dude under your sink. There was a dude a under your sink. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and they knew about it.
1: That's how Dad died. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't have we didn't watch the news at my house. So didn't watch the we news. We never caught the guy.
0: It reminds me of the clown story.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Urban Legend. Yeah. Yeah. If you've never heard like Urban Legends are one of my favorite things ever. Because the and the internet generation has kind of done away with them. Yeah. Like now we have fake news, but it's so easy for someone to make two clicks of a mouse and realize This isn't real. Yeah. Whereas before these things would go on forever. And then somebody would convince you, no, this happened to a friend of mine, or I heard about this happening. That's how urban legends got big. And one of them was that, that spread all over the United States, which was, uh, what is it? Babysitters. There's a babysitter at the house and she's watching the kids. And then the parents get a call at the restaurant. They're in a nice restaurant. Hey, anything wrong? Everything's fine. But I threw a sheet uh, over this clown statue because it was staring at us and it was creeping me out a little bit. And then the parents go, We don't, we don't have, have a clown, clown statue. statue. <laughs> Get out of the house! <laughs> right. And then it turns out there's a crazy dwarf clown on the run and he's murdering people. And she, you know, yeah. she got out of the house in time. Right. But I don't know if he just... Surely the he day.
0: would have been listening to the phone call if it' right there. Yeah, and the... he's
1: under the sheet, so... Right. I don't know. What a weird... What a weird thing.
0: No, I, I
1: don't... That I... reminds me of a comedian. There's an old comedian. It's like, I love old comedy stories, too. So in the boom of comedy in the 80s, there used to be these legends of comedy. There were just these road dog comics that you'd never really hear of now. One of them was a guy named Ollie Joe Prater. Ollie Joe was like a legend at the comedy store in L.A., but he just was like a a guy who just let himself go, and he was huge. I think he was over four hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. So by the end of his career, he's got long red hair. He smokes on. This is back when you could smoke in clubs, so he'd smoke on stage his whole set. And he got so big that it would, he would get out of breath climbing the steps to the stage of the comedy store. So he made a deal with the people because he lived upstairs too at the club. So he made a deal with the people there. Uh, and he was such a legend in the scene that they let this happen. That he would just stay on stage the whole show. So the opener would come up and do his act, and the middle would come do his and Ollie Joe's sitting in a chair behind them. Wow. With his four hundred pound self smoking. So eventually what they would do is they would throw a sheet over Ollie Joe And then when it was his turn to perform, they just pull the sheet off, and Ollie Joe Prater, and he would be he would start doing. No. But you could see him smoking underneath the sheet. is <laughs> what I always I've read this in several like comedy books. Wow! But you could see like a red like fire of the cigarette underneath the sheet, and then smoke would poof out every now and again. Wouldn't it
0: catch the sheet? I don't know. On the he fire? was he was savvy about it. I don't know how he would do it. I don't know if cigarettes. I'm not a cigarette guy. I know you're right? shocked. I don't know if they're actually as flammable. As like, a sheet would be, you know. You see, you see, <laughs> you see all the movies where the, there's gasoline on the ground, right. And and the villain walks up. He's got a cigarette. Yeah, he's like, oh, you know. See you later. <laughs> you can't think of a cool catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting hot in here. or Something I don't know.
1: And, and <laughs> kiss your butts goodbye, and he throws it down because it's a cigarette. There you button. go. It's a pun. That's
0: what I needed. Okay, and so and then it always explodes the the gasoline or whatever but like i would like to go out i don't think just gasoline in yeah. on the concrete just throwing a cigarette butt on it does it really
1: when i did a defensive driving class you know at driving school when i got a couple, bunch of tickets when i was like 19 or 20 one cop said right, right. 19 or 20 yeah, yeah, yeah 19 or 20 days ago <laughs> I, uh, anyway um, the guy there was talking about how in every movie a car like barely dings a tree and it explodes yeah. he's like i've seen two cars catch on fire and he goes, one of them was just a catastrophic T-bone into a gas truck. And the other one was a guy threw down a cigarette butt at the scene of a car crash that he had just crashed. And gas was pouring out of his own car because it was on its side. And they were smoking at the scene and threw it down. So it can't happen
0: if I you're know. an idiot. There's only one way to find out. That's true. You know what I'm saying?
1: We need to have the Zoolander wake me up before you go-go. This is a gas fight scene. Remember when they're fighting with the gas and somebody starts smoking? <laughs>
0: Although, I don't know if we could go through with it because I think I would hack so much trying to smoke the cigarette to get it started. Yeah. Like, I don't think I could do it. I need to find someone who smokes to come
1: with us because... That knows what they're... Well, that's the thing, in and in, uh, we talk about being alive in 2019 and the things we didn't have to go through, like, aren't you glad that there's not, like, smoking sections in restaurants? And, oh, yeah. Like, comedy in that era, you just had to get used to smoky rooms Yeah, if you wanted to do comedy, even if you didn't smoke. You had to go up and just, like, see this
0: fog... Yeah, like I'm irritated, it's funny, and people you watch, them, I'm irritated when I'm outside and somebody like 50 feet away, Yeah, you know, it when this, like, again, I don't, I, I don't know why, I guess I know why, like, I feel like, hey, you're invading my air right now, but Secondhand. I don't say that.
1: Well, it's like, uh, my buddy Brad used to have a bit about that, about when Lost was a big show, he would say, the only thing worse than the smoke, the only, what's the only thing scarier than a smoke monster? Secondhand smoke monster. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, secondhand smoke you know, that's why they made those laws is because people were getting
0: But I don't feel like necessarily they're, they're hurting my health, they may be. it's just an irritant to me like hey man, like it's if you had like body odor on your rights. Yeah. Yeah, if you had body odor, I don't want to smell it. I would expect you, you know, there's something about society that
1: Have you seen that the few airports that have still have a smoking lounge and it's like this glass wall of doom? Like Atlanta <laughs> Airport had one for a while. It's like two sliding doors. And like you, it's almost like those beer caves you see in like a convenience store Yeah, where you just go in and it's all the, not that I've ever, but anyway, they're in there and they're just giving each other cancer. It's just a complete right. 12 by 12 cell Filled full of smoke. smoke. Yeah. Wow. And they're just in there like, this is worth it. I didn't have to go outside.
0: But I guess though, if you really like, let's just say you really, you can't stop smoking. Yeah. I would imagine if you have a four hour layover. You can go outside because of security. You know what I'm saying? Right. I, I, I suppose that would be, for me, trying to have some But empathy. if it's
1: one degree or whatever, you're like, I'll just go yeah. into this room and...
0: And, well, Yeah.
1: You come out with your face looking like an old catcher's mitt. <laughs> you've aged, you've <laughs> aged 30 years in an hour.
0: <laughs> you know, going back to the whole, like, uh, f- the fake news or the sensational headlines, you know, what's funny is, and I see this... In, so you, you've heard about the... Millennials, right?
1: Yeah, that's the new thing. So,
0: the, the, so that's the, a
1: that's a flower that grows year round, right?
0: <laughs> no, that, that's a. a that generation Z? So this is this is the. In, let me see. When were you born? 74. four four. So you're you're like squarely at the end of X. Yeah. So I'm seventy eight, and I'm also like I'm really at the end of X. I forget where millennials begin, but I don't really. So they say people born between like seventy. Seven, mm-hmm. And I've heard it go as high as like 86 or 87, but the one that Laura and I read went to like 84. So it's okay. a really small subset generation. They're calling them the Xennials with, with an X, by oh, the Oh, I yeah. see.
1: Because you're in between.
0: Right. And the key thing that really um, identifies them or that they identify with is that they had an analog childhood and a digital young adulthood. Okay. So like they... They pass notes in school right. instead of texting each other. Yeah, but but By the they time all, they
1: were in college, but they had were... cell
0: phones in college.
1: Okay, in that New is East interesting. And I had all that. Yeah. I mean, I didn't go to college, but
0: it's a fascinating thing. Like they're they're okay with technology. They don't feel behind at all. They kind of span both worlds, but yeah. they're not like our kids or like a lot of millennials
1: who can't fathom an answering machine or right. Or getting up to turn the channel on the television,
0: because mm-hmm. it went so fast. Yeah. it really, really did. We went from having a beeper, and within within seven years, people mm-hmm. have you know cell phones. You know that. And, well, that's and, what they the say internet. about the
1: singularity. We talked about the singularity before, but when the singularity happens, when machines become smarter than humans, yeah, they said that our intelligence and our technology will double every year. Yeah, because the machines are going to know. So it's like as fast as we've leapt, like I remember buying a little flash card for my camera, the first uh, digital camera I had, and it was like 132 megabytes and it was like $40. Yeah. Yeah. And now they don't even make they those.
0: Gi- they give out thumb drives with 10 gigs on them for free right. for and marketing like, purposes. Yeah. Like, here, take one of these if you fill out our form.
1: Yeah. Like, what would 10 gigs have cost? I mean, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Yeah. Thousands of dollars. It's, it's fascinating. So they say that that's what's going to happen. Is It's going to double. So imagine the weird generation gaps that we're going to create then. Of course, we'll all be wiped out, right? Because the machines will
0: launch ahead,
1: missiles at us all.
0: I think some generations ahead of us, though, to that, point, to that end, like, so when I see a sensational um, article, I think I tend to be suspicious first. Like, okay, I see what you're doing. You want me to get to number yeah. seven or whatever. And it's it, it people want to read things that they're afraid of. Yeah. I think fear is a, you know, even from a spiritual standpoint, like.
1: Well, because we're already afraid and it justifies that fear. Right. We're like, I knew I was right to feel uneasy.
0: Uh-huh. It justifies our bias. Yeah. It justifies, it, it plays into the narrative that we already not, didn't necessarily believe, but we're leaning towards. And so there's so much of that fear mongering going on yeah. uh, right now. And I think that, like, I look at, uh, and there's no stereotypes here. I'm just saying, that within some of my own experiences, sometimes, you know, like my parents' generation, it seems like that, it, that it's very quick for them to read that and in and, and I think they're being targeted actually. They're being targeted. They're like yeah. no 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 this is you should be afraid of this. Right. And they give them data that I look at from a zenial viewpoint and go, ah This is propaganda. I don't see this data yeah. lining up. I've read something or different. Or you're
1: picking and choosing. You're cherry picking the data to fit your narrative. Yeah.
0: Right. And and even as a writer, I looking at the tone of this article, this is not scholarly mm. or this is not academically up to up to you know it's, it's not it's not above par below par johnny which one would it be just par just it's just not yeah <laughs> it's not on par, par. it's yeah. because you know i could just see and but i think about the power of fear and when scripture is really replete with that idea like this power of fear and what it does uh because it was it first john that says he who fears has not yet been perfected in love and perfected, mm-hmm. there the word really means matured.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's not just you know, but 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 a mature love casts out all of that fear yeah. in your life, and we can make that so like um, zingy, like evangelically zingy. <laughs> right, like, now everybody come down front. We're going to cast out your fear, you know. But that's really because you know, cast out has such almost a. Um, a, a demonic type.
1: Right, you know, it would depend on how you grew yeah. up, for sure. Yeah. Right.
0: And what ter- it really is saying is that the more that you grow, and I think that Paul writes about that so much, that he says, you know, when he prays, and we talked about this before, but Paul's prayers in Colossians and Ephesians and Philippians, his prayers for the believer teach us a lot, I think, about what people who are making disciples in the early church felt was most important. And what he prays is, is you know, is... Hey, I I pray that from the riches of your glory that God may grant you to be strengthened with inner strength, excuse me, with inner power through his spirit so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith so that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the rest of the believers and the saints this length and width and depth and height to know the love of Christ. And it keeps going back to love, that you would believe right, that you would know the love that you would get it more than you got it, that it would keep going down deep, like in using those metaphors of of this grounding and this root system, mm-hmm. and that all of that leads you, that you may be filled, my favorite, one of my favorites, you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And so when you take John and you take Paul and you put those things together, you get John Paul. No, When you take John and Paul's Peter, writings.
1: George, <laughs> right, Ringo. You,
0: you, But you get this idea that, Somewhere, if I, somewhere when I'm afraid, if it causes me to move into bias, into fear, into um, exclusion, into uh, really wanting to attack some other viewpoint, mm-hmm. then John's writings still hold true. Somewhere I'm not secure in God's love when I'm in those places, they may be real threats. I'm not saying there's no such thing as real threats to to our, there, there's such thing as a real and present danger to our national security and all those things. Yeah. I'm not saying that we don't have real physical things to be afraid of, but how much scripture, you know, was not trying to remove the things we're afraid of, but trying to make you more secure in the love of Christ than you are afraid of the things of this world. Yeah. So that the, the things of this world are not, they don't neutralize, since they can't neutralize the love of Christ, and Paul goes on and on to say that, hey, this could happen, this could happen, this could happen, uh, but nothing can separate us. Not angels, not demons, not this, not that. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. And that love of Christ is supposed to, if John, and, and you connect those two, is supposed to keep driving out that, that fear inside of you so that, you know, honestly, I'm going to walk my life not being afraid. And I don't think just afraid of dangers from without, but I think a general sense. Because if you're worried, this is a big thing for me in my own recovery. When I'm worried, uh, when I'm striving, uh, when I am – this is one of the things I just wrote in some of my declarations. Like when I find myself almost fantasizing or contemplating quitting to mm-hmm. get out of the stress – yeah, when I really start thinking through how I would quit to avoid the stress, uh, when I find myself lashing out and being like completely unreasonably opportunistic in my thinking, like how can I move this pawn, this pawn, and this pawn to get my desired outcome that leads to my security, to maximize yeah. this situation, or to create this opportunity? Then, in all of those cases, it's some form of fear. Right. It's saying I'm not. you're
1: afraid of the opposite. Yeah. You're I'm not, afraid of insecurity and everything else that right, comes I'm not, from not getting that thing.
0: I must not be secure, therefore, I got to fill yeah. this hole. And I think you go down to how that's that power in the modern age, whether it's from a spiritual context or not. We're seeing it happen that fear, the Bible's very clear, you don't have to connect it to spiritual things, it is spiritual. Mm hmm. You don't have to call it that. That's what it is. Just as love, you don't have to connect it to spiritual things. You know, God is the author of love, mm-hmm. and the the enemy is the author of fear. And so there is this there is this like fruitfulness that comes from both of those places. And i do not mean love in the way the world throws love around right now. Is is this all encompassing accommodation? Right. I mean, real love. <laughs> has truth connected to it, the grace and truth of right. Christ. Real love will desire truth. It will desire accountability. It will even desire correction. It will say, um, you know, what's the say in Proverbs, a righteous man swears to his own harm. Like real love says, if this is what is not comfortable for me, I desire it because of the love that we have. I would desire to grow, to become the one that serves you better and to, that honors God with my life. But, man, I just – I think that if we could apply that place of every time you read something and it makes you afraid and that fear manifests itself and bias manifests itself in, I better go fill up the basement with, with canned foods, you know, cause this is all coming to an end right. and you might be right. Like there's no, there may be a day this comes to an end and we can be wise and, and have 401ks and try to pay off our houses. I don't think any of that is unwise. I think it's smart, but the moment that it, it, Emotionally owns me, then I have to. For John, I have to keep coming back to say, "Then I've not been yet perfected in love." Mm-hmm. That today there's a more there's more maturity to come from me in the love of Christ. If these things you know pull from me, that's yeah, and I mean me.
1: honestly, we, we politicians use fear on both sides, and uh, a lot of preachers we grew up with used fear, yeah, in uh, as a manipulative tool. You're right, uh, and sometimes it wasn't like. Some I, I give some of them credit for just being deceived themselves and thinking I've got to do this I've got to sell this drama and this fear because my the ends will justify the means mm-hmm. I know what my heart is and my heart is that everyone would be saved etc so I'm going to really but then you have people who's like I'm more cynical about where you just go I could see them selling this thing so that they could get more tithers or they could get you know mm-hmm. there was a kingdom of their own being built. With this fear, and it was no better than the politician doing it, you know, or maybe I think it's worse, yeah, Yeah. because yeah, because they have responsibility, they have spiritual responsibility, and they were abusing it, but yeah,
0: there was I won't say who, somebody in the prosperity gospel movement came out and and recanted Mm -hmm. um, the prosperity gospel specifically. They were recanting, I think, using either the promise of good things, but. The promise of good things has a flip side of the coin. That's the fear. The fear right, of what's yeah, you' yeah, you imagine if
1: things are bad for me, am I out of God's will? That's what they yeah. don't really. It's the unintended consequence of saying God wants everyone to be rich. Yeah. When you don't know that that's true, then yeah. what everyone who's struggling and working three jobs imagines is, well, I must be blowing it. Yeah. Like, and you're putting that on that person by saying those things that's it's wrong not. it's absolutely wrong
0: well I've heard it said that the gospel if you want to know if the the gospel has to be as true for um, the single mom living in Haiti right now as it is for you right. if, if what you're saying about Jesus doesn't work for her mm-hmm. for someone in poverty or someone uh, living under you know communism if in some other place if, if what you're saying doesn't yeah. bring the hope to them. Then you need to examine it because if your right. go, your gospel may be very culturally centered and, and possibly yeah
1: somebody was saying like if your if all your prayers were answered and it only made your life better yeah. then you don't have Jesus' gospel hmm. you know
0: oh that's yeah that's great yeah I've heard that if all of your dreams came true and everything you're asking for from God right what and would it, how would it you only would you, made your, city your look life different better, better, yet, right yeah. if it
1: only made your life better. And so that's kind of what the prosperity gospel leads us to. It leads us to that thing of uh, a point system. And, uh, John, what are you doing? They didn't hear that. You just, he started the music again. I didn't. I it was, was like I was being played off stage at the Oscars. <laughs> that's all the time we have. No, I sorry. forgot to thank my wife. And then you just, I'm swept off.
0: Sorry, start that again.
1: No, I just think that's what it leads to when you, it's, again, it's that unintended consequence. Maybe someone who set out said, oh, I've read these. 20 scriptures that say God wants me to prosper and be in health and now I'm going to derive this whole thing from it but the unintended consequence is like it, like you said it doesn't hold up in the real world when your mom gets cancer right. you start to go well wait a minute she believed just as much as you believed so wh- where, where do I go with this when, when everything doesn't fall into place for your perfect little scenario your faith crumbles with it And that's the hard part is people have lost their relationship with God because that's why I'm mad about it. It's because when it does fall apart, inevitably it does, everything gets thrown out with it. The baby with the bathwater. Yeah. You know.
0: No, I really do believe that's the – and this is going to sound – it sounds almost highfalutin, if you will, to say what I'm going to say. I don't mean it this way. I think that faulty theology – is the foundation of a whole host of negative things, whether Mm -hmm. it's we stay committed to the wrong expressions for too long, and we end up just living in denial and not being affected to people around us. Because, I mean, our lives are struggling, but we, I mean, again, in the prosperity world that we grew up in, you have somebody who was sick and dying of cancer who could never say they were sick. Right. Because they they really They're interpret to it. speak death or whatever theologically to say that I'm speaking uh, negative things. Yeah. And there's life and death in the power of the tongue, and I speak things into existence. You know, and and the proper the proper way to say is, hey, yes, it, there's there's probably some positive benefits to you staying. You know, speaking yeah. the things of God that are true. But you, but God speaks things into existence. Like lean into Him, yeah. you know. Here, yeah. and so uh, you, you, there's that side. But and then and when people are watching you suffer, and you can't say that this right. is even happening, uh-huh. it just looks like a. It, it doesn't look. The reality is not lining up. And so there's that opportunity there that you, whether you realize it or not, you're making the expression. But the flip side is how many people then, like you said, when the when the unspoken promise or spoken promise theologically was made to them that becomes the foundational uh-huh. you know, element of who Jesus is in their life, who God is in their life. And suddenly that foundation swept away by this circumstance, not realizing it wasn't at all what the promise actually was. Then, especially in churches, people just slip off into oblivion. And because our churches quite honestly don't have real community, and, and, and I can say that from one who's been there for years and years and we're trying to build it. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm pointing the, the finger at myself, but to say that when somebody slips off, if they didn't have real community and it's been, the only thing we can measure is church attendance, which is just a sad state of affairs. Yeah. When you look up one day, and this is what we do now. We used to look up and we go, have you seen so-and-so? And we start thinking back and nobody can think of having seen that person in church on a Sunday for like six weeks. Then I know we were in trouble in two ways. You know, one is two things that happened. One, that person, that was their entire connection was one hour a week to church. Mm-hmm. And that means that if they were able to go away for six weeks and nobody noticed, it lets you know how either we hadn't done our job to pull them into what it was really supposed to be. Or two, they had lived so isolated that they were it was that inconsequential to anybody else's life that they were gone. And that's a big thing. We tell that in a membership class, like, hey. If you're going to be a member here, then if you're doing the things that we're telling you are, are, are full life in Christ with his people, then you won't be able to miss for six weeks and sit by the phone waiting for someone to call and being upset that no one noticed. Yeah. Because number one, it would be your job to be calling other people already every week that you live in community with. So th- it couldn't happen. Like you would, have to, you would have to acknowledge. And number two, you already said I'm just going to be here because <laughs> it's, it's what's best for me. I'm not going to sit back and test it to see if these things hold. You're going to be pursuing it instead of testing right. it. But, but there's just that of affairs of how many people just slip away into the darkness of doubt and the darkness of despair into this other place of, wow, God, God's promises weren't true, this and that. And, mm-hmm. and the church or whomever never even knew it happened all because it comes back to faulty theology. Like they believed a promise to be from God that God never made. And we don't want to sit around talking about good theology because that sounds boring. Well, I don't want to go to church because you just make me feel better at my life this week. I worked hard. I got, you know, when do we teach that? Like, yeah. when, when do people like commit themselves? And, and Paul says that there's coming a day in the last, in the modern times that people can't endure sound doctrine. And, when, and those of us who try to teach sound doctrine are so boring about it or we can't communicate it well. That's where I have to keep growing that to say, no, this is what brings life to you, to yeah. understand who who Christ is, what he did promise, what he did not promise, where your securities are wrapped up in him, where they shouldn't be. And coming into that place will not be boring. It'll be the most exciting thing that's ever happened in your life. But if you don't have it, it's not a it's not a victimless crime. Like no, no, it's it it will do horrible damage to you eventually down the road because whether or not you know it, you have theology. Yeah. It's just whether or not it's scriptural and right. You have a belief about God, even if there is And you're
1: already living according to it.
0: Yeah. You are already doing the things you believe. Yeah. We're not trying to give you beliefs because you have none. We're trying to all say we have them and how do we align them better with what is right and, and centered in scripture so that we can experience the real promises of God, regardless of the, ex, the outside or external circumstances. So,
1: yeah. That is such a zenial thing to say. Everything yeah. you just said, I was like, I'm reading the Zenial handbook. And it <laughs> falls right in line. You're so predictable, bro.
0: I would love for there to be a bunch of uh, stereotypes about Zenials. That'd be great. I could then empathize with millennials who hate that we even say the word sometimes.
1: I need to redo my flower beds. It reminds me. I'm plant some zennials this year. It's like a white flower, I think. <laughs> Beautiful.
0: Well, fun conversations today. No, but mm, we,
1: we thanks for listening anyway, we guys. Did, we did so. No, something. y'all did great. And we uh, we did it again, John.
0: We How many weeks in a row? So many weeks. 86. Gosh, we're just... Well, it's not 86 weeks in a row. But it's it a lot in a row. It is a lot in a row. There's not been an, an, a week in 2019 that we've not had an episode. Damn. So... We do it for you guys. We do it. And, well...
1: And you can uh, listen and subscribe and uh, leave a review. That helps us. Yeah. And uh, if you want to support us on Patreon... Kick in a few shekels. That helps us because we're trying to get some promotions together. We'll give you free things if you support us on Patreon. Yeah. We'll send you some uh, exclusive clips. I've got some exclusive comedy clips I'm going to send out soon that I'm in the process of editing.
0: Oh. Um, Yeah. At a certain level, too. I think last week I mailed out a Johnny W. DVD and a John John Driver book. Yeah. Man. That's all, I think, for like $20 a month. And, bro, what was that, like $200 worth of merchandise? That's a value of $5,000. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, <laughs> no, we'd love for you to go Did check. Did you
1: sign the book? Did you personalize your book? I, I, I
0: wrote a card in there. You put a card in there, very nice. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, don't, I still feel weird signing books. It's weird. Somebody asked me the other day at a meeting, oh, well, here, I gave him a book. And they're like, oh, you got to sign it. I was like, mm. and I make some stupid joke. That's with, false humility. I make some stupid jokes I like, it's worth exactly one penny now. And I got to stop saying that. I don't know why I say that. Sorry. It's because I, I don't know what to say because I feel weird. Like, I don't know. I think people don't like
1: signatures as much anymore. they want the selfie to prove they were with you. Yeah. If they really think you're a celebrity, they're like, take a picture. Yeah, so they can leverage it for their own social media. Yeah, I don't it, are less valuable now.
0: I don't think I'm important enough for somebody to take a selfie with no. me giving them a book and then posting it. They're like, yeah, it's okay, just sign it, yeah, and I'll just, put this over in the shelf.
1: What I do is I put a selfie in with your books of me. Is that what you do? Yeah. So each book, <laughs> if you buy one of John's books from now on, it's going to go out with a selfie of me somewhere. Wow. You'll just be reading one day and be like, why is... This and
0: why is this in there?
1: Why isn't he wearing pants? That'll it's, be your that'll be the thing. That is thing. upsetting. Yeah. Hashtag no but, filter. Yeah. Yeah. At all.
0: Yeah. We're doing a series, by the way, called uh, Hello, My Name is Self. And I've,
1: I've saw the thing. Yeah.
0: And one of our listeners, Seth, because uh, we're heading into the Christmas season, came up to me after I preached Sunday and said, How in the world do we not call this self on the shelf? And put it right into the Christmas oh, season. Christmas, self Seth, I, I do. I give you props for that. that That's a great idea. That would idea. have been clever. Self on the put shelf. Put yourself on the shelf. We could have put one of us up there in a little elf costume, you know. A little Photoshop action. Oh, my goodness. It would have been brilliant, but it's too late now. Now we just have to talk about the things we're talking about. Seth,
1: when he was engaged, I wanted him to do a whole blog about purity and call it premarital Seth. And he wouldn't <laughs>
0: do it. I begged him. We talked a lot about Seth's life when he was engaged. Because he was engaged for, what, seven, eight years, it felt like? A long I don't know. time. It was a long time. And he did, I'm going to tell you something, man. His wife, McKenna, it was, they're both in our youth group. Seth and McKenna are fantastic people. They're great. Like, this has been great. The and best. They yeah. are. They really, really are. You know, they're small group leaders. And actually, somebody in their small group, I'm just bragging on Seth now. Yeah. Somebody in their small group was telling me the other day how much they're killing it as leaders, like just doing great, killing it in a good way. Kill. By the way, yeah. They're killing
1: people. They're literally killing it. It's a cutthroat it. <laughs> industry, I hear, this small group. It's a, literally a cutthroat industry. No, they're just leading group. us
0: so well. They're doing such a great job. I was yeah. like, that's amazing. That's awesome. So way to go, Seth. And uh, we're, we're happy. So, And maybe if you become a patron, we might brag on you on the air. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably not going to happen. No. But no. But hey, we do appreciate you listening always. And uh, we'll see you next time on talk about that.